You're listening to episode 2.32 of the Midlife Improvement Project, and on this week's episode, I'm chatting with Madeline Eames. She is a psychotherapist, speaker, author, yoga instructor, and mindfulness practitioner. We discuss her healing journey in midlife and how she has navigated intergenerational trauma using transformational breathwork, among other healing modalities. You don't want to miss this one. Let's go. Welcome to the Midlife Improvement Project, the podcast about what really matters as you negotiate midlife. Some might call this time of life a crisis, but I want to introduce you to the idea that it's an awakening. This is a time to listen to your soul, to find your purpose, to reflect on what you really want to do and be in the days you have left here on planet Earth, and then write your own midlife manifesto. You are not less of yourself on the other side of midlife. You are more. This is a time to be celebrated, not tolerated. I'm your midlife wake-up coach, Dr. Peggy Malone. I'm a healthcare provider turned life coach who helps women in midlife lean into the magic of being a woman as we head into the second half. I help you to decide where you want to go next with this one precious life and really claim all of your big dreams and goals while caring less about what anyone else thinks about it. After all, if someone is going to be unhappy with your life, it shouldn't be you. In just over a week, I will be turning 50 and I want to use this podcast as my midlife manifesto. There will be no fading into the background and quietly living out my golden years with the assumption that my best years are behind me over here. I'm just getting started. I invite you to come with me. Listen in each week as I help you to wake up to what's possible for you in midlife as you learn to manage your mind, get curious about what got you here, and get clear about where you want to go next on the way to it being an even better you. Let's get after it. Madeline has been working in the area of mental health and trauma healing for over three decades, more recently in treating and healing chronic pain. During COVID, she was introduced to transformational breathwork online and after doing a journey, dropped everything to focus on developing her own brand of transformational womb breathwork to help heal the patterns she was seeing in all of her women clients that were holding them back in midlife. Madeline is constantly rebirthing herself through her own midlife at 57, releasing her patterns daily to Mother Nature on her walks with her dog, Bella. She lives in beautiful BC, Canada with her husband and two boys. My guest today has been through her own healing journey in midlife and is sharing that healing with other midlife women in the most beautiful way. And I'm excited that she's here today. Madeline, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Peggy. I'm so excited to be here. All right. Why don't you, because I'm getting to know you too, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your story, and especially your midlife story? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like any woman's story, there's no linear um, path, but you know, it sort of comes in these different spirals that weave together, but I'll tell you what happened to me most, most recently. So I would say about four years ago, um, I had been working as a trauma therapist for uh, I, over 30 years, I, quite a long time to be in the field. And um, yeah, about four years ago, we made a move to another city with my my husband and one of my sons who was still um, at home. And um, I started working more in the area of chronic pain. So, and this was a very sort of natural transition, um, I found that we were talking about a lot of the, a lot of the same things in, in therapy sessions and in classes. And also at that time, um, I started to also notice that my energy levels, um, I want to say again, 
were starting to really, um, I was starting to feel quite fatigued. And the things that I could do before, um, I didn't have quite the energy that I that I did, you know, um, in my younger years. I was into my early 50s and I started to notice some muscle aches and just not feeling as excited as I was about my work. And the fact that I noticed that at that point, um, this time around, I'll say, was was a blessing because it was very shortly after that that um, that COVID came along, and everything went online. So I was working, you know, all online in a new city, uh, just you know, getting my son settled, and you know, life all of a sudden became uh, for everybody quite quiet. And it was during that time that I really started to to notice that that I was tired and I was burned out. And it, it you know, I know COVID was a really difficult time and it, it sure was for me initially um, as things really started to slow down. And I kind of came to a place where I was working online and then I was resting in between. And I was still working and then resting in the, you know, in these very quiet times. And I started to realize, you know, A, that I had not, once again, been listening to myself, to my body and where, you know, what I needed. And I was so conditioned to giving outside of myself, as we know, um, is such a conditioning of, of women. And... I started to, you know, go through these phases that I could only really recognize in retrospect. And what started to happen was I, I, over time, really started to tune in and listen to my body and trust myself again. And that process in itself actually took a couple of years and um, came to a place where I realized I live completely differently now than I did. And I needed that, unfortunately, forced slow, slowing down time uh, to be able to do that. And the women that I was seeing in my practice, whether it was, you know, healing, trauma, you know, dealing, living with chronic pain, we were talking a lot about the same things. And I could tell you a little bit more about how those phases went, if, if, if that makes sense right now. Yes, definitely. I want to hear about that. Pause mm -hmm. for one. I'm just going to pause for one second because my channel of Wi-Fi is a bit sketchy and I'm just going to switch it. So if I freeze for one second, I'm right back. Sure. Here I am. Okay. Yes, definitely. I want to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I realized that I, I had pared my life down out of necessity to the essentials. So because I only had so much energy, I was reaching out to the people I really wanted to be with. I was doing more of the things that I really just really, you know, if I was showing up in your life, it was because I really wanted to be there. And uh, expending my limited energy on the places that I wanted to go. Um, and it, so moving through to that point was such a deep discovery for me because it meant letting go of obligations, 
uh, moving through guilt, saying no, um, setting boundaries, um, really tuning into what truly felt right. And I haven't got this, you know, perfected because perfectionism is one of the things that I had to move through, <laughs> yeah. um, like so many of us. And uh, but so the first part when things really slowed down and I noticed this, I couldn't do the things. Um, I started to panic a little bit, uh, maybe not a little bit, but I started to move through a level of anxiety, like I'm not doing enough. I'm not giving enough. I'm not making enough money. I'm not. And all of this inner chatter that came up that had basically been driving my bus for such a long time. And I think for one of the first times, I really sat with it and allowed myself to move through that, recognizing that I was, I was still safe because I could no longer follow those voices. You know, the, the, you know, quite a loud inner critic was coming up because I wasn't externally focused. I couldn't be. I could try, but uh, that wasn't going to get me very far. And so my focus over time moved through, you know, these levels of anxiety to, and I created a course about it, which I absolutely loved <laughs> for the women that came into that course. And then I moved to um, realizing, realizing that I was a really, I had a highly sensitive nervous system and it brought me into the whole area of being an, an empath. And I, in all my years, I had never, I'd heard the word, but I never had really stopped to think about it. And being really sensitive from very young age to people's feelings, um, to energies, to, you know, even sounds and um, um, to touch, to like, I just a highly sensitive nervous system. And I realized that when I was actually talking with my siblings, I've got three siblings at a family uh, gathering, and we were talking about some childhood, you know, ex experiences that we had. And um, I realized we were all in the same room at the same time, but I was processing and seeing things and feeling things very differently than everybody else. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Didn't you see this or feel that? And they're like, no. I thought, oh, first of all, I was like, oh, I wish I was you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I moved through this extra layer of realizing that some nervous systems are like that, many women and pretty much all the women I was um, seeing in, in therapy also had these experiences. They started to ask, you know, about, about this, uh, ex this, ex this experience of picking up on the emotions, taking responsibility for other people, feeling like their emotions, you needed other people to feel better in order for you to feel better. And that could lead us into all kinds of bad situations <laughs> and definitely a feeling of burnout. Um, and so I created some courses for, for empaths and I thought, oh, okay, this is really interesting. And <clears throat> then it took me one step further. I started to dive deeper into the programming and um, what we download that 
from society, from our culture that keeps this in place. And, you know, basically that happened way before us, you know, the programming of being the good girl, being nice, being um, the giver, being, you know, that image of kind of the selfless woman, who, which is virtuous, that helps everybody else. And that happened, you know, to our mothers, to our grandmothers way before us. And I started to bring this in, this other layer in, and I could see the light bulbs going off with women. Like, you mean this is feeling ashamed, feeling guilty. You mean it didn't just start with me. It's not even really personal. It started a long time ago. And that was one of the biggest um, moments, I think, of freedom in myself. And, and freedom in the, in the women that I was working with. It didn't cure everything, but it certainly led to an understanding that, that a lot is not even mine, that it's inherited trauma, basically, from our culture. Uh, yeah, starting- I love, yeah, I love hearing about all of this. And I, I have so many questions, but the thing specifically about inherited or generational trauma, and I'm sure you're aware of this, but I love this concept. Have you heard about this? And this is my science brain getting involved with it. This Good. like Russian nesting dolls thing where when I was a tiny egg before I existed as a human, I was formed in my mother's ovary inside her mother's uterus. So like we're connected in a physical way to our grandmothers as well as energetically in the way that you're talking about. And it just blows my mind and it makes me feel so much more connected to our ancestors. Yes, exactly. That That's exactly it. And that actually, that piece of information I posted in one of my Facebook groups and it had so much resonance that, oh, I spent time. I spent time in my grandmother's womb. Yeah. And this sense of rootedness with our our maternal ancestors, that no matter what your relationship was like with your mother, she also had an experience and her, her mother had an experience. And now we're at this point exactly in evolution where we can, as women in midlife, start to shift that, what they didn't they didn't have access. I didn't have access to you or, you know, to the amazing coaches or other, you know, networks that I'm involved. They didn't have that. And when I recognized that in my mother, I could see how things in her 50s and 60s started. She was an artist and that was, you know, really validated profession in our society and how things started to slowly shut down. And I don't want that to happen to me or any other woman now. We don't have these role models as much anymore. And so we have to be the role models. Not putting pressure on anyone. It's totally possible. <laughs> you know what? I think it's magic. And I it's part of the reason why I started moving in this direction with this podcast is because especially generation X women are the kind of in this place where they're like, we're not going to do it like our moms did. We're going to do something different. And all of us are willing to go first or some of us are. Exactly. So, so yeah, let's go first. Let's go first. And, and each and every woman that I've ever met has a story and experience and what they might be afraid of or hiding that is actually their gold. 
you know, I've had experience in my life where during that time of quiet of COVID, I really had to come to terms with and move through those layers of hiding or shame. And also, um, I love that you brought up the science part of it because one, I'll just drop this in here. Sure, love it. One piece of research that really stopped me in my tracks was, um, can't actually remember the name of it now, but it was um, a piece of research where they took mice, unfortunately, sorry to say, and they um, exposed them to the smell of cherry blossoms. And at the same time, as they exposed them to the smell, one group did, one group didn't, um, they actually shocked them with an electric shock. And um, so they created this fear response. So every time they smelt it, they would get really scared. And um, what they found was that their, then they um, bred them, their babies were born with that same fear without ever having had an, a shock with the wow. cherry blossom. Yeah. Wow, that's that's crazy. I know. I know. And then the babies after them did. So it really brought me into this inter intergenerational realm where I could appreciate more of my ancestry and what and I know we talk about the mother wound and I understand that, but I also don't want that to be taken out of context because she had wounding and her grandma, her mother, on and on and on. Sure. And we're at a point where exactly we can change that. Um, yeah. The other thing so, that I love that you said that I just want to reflect on for a second mm -hmm. is when you were talking about how when COVID happened, here's all of these women busy, busily buzzing around being good girls and taking care of everybody else's needs except for their own. And they were forced to get quiet and hear their inner voice for the first time in maybe ever. I kind of feel like, and I, this is the first time I've had this like aha moment that the COVID and the lockdown was a catalyst for this collective awakening that's happening now. I I do wonder. Yeah. I do I do wonder. Yeah, that's such a good point because we have been talked out of our bodies probably since we realized we were we had a body. And you know, it focus externally on the images and the um demands and the expectations that aren't us. So we actually end up living kind of outside of our own body. And, you know, many of the women that I work with now, and I'll, you know, even that question of what is it that you really want now? What do you desire? What makes you happy? Often there isn't an, they don't initially have an answer. Yeah. Their answer yeah. is, is their value has been conditioned to mean how other people around them perceive them and what they can give other people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So when you, when those channels are cut off and you're not, you know, giving other people don't need you as much. Um, it kind of, it, it really brings our, our own self into question. Who am I? Who am I? Who, who have I been? And what can I become now is my question. <laughs> but we, we, sometimes we don't go there because we're like, oh my God, we're trying to grapple with the past. And, and my kids at the same time were leaving home. One had left home, one was becoming more independent. And that was just creating space as well. So I had to really recognize that um, to, to allow them to just leave the nest.
You can see why a lot of people define this time of life as a crisis. And I really love redefining it as an awakening for a reason. But you can see, especially with your story and the way you've described it, it felt like a crisis. Everything is different. That question of who am I now, that's powerful. Yes. Yes. And you can see, you know, how the midlife crisis is portrayed out there you know, I don't know, get a new car, get move or, uh, you know, find a new partner. And because if this external focus, when actually, we can just pause. And if we can, and go inside ourselves, we can have a whole inner revolution happen that will naturally extend into your outer world, where you start to know that doesn't resonate. And this really does. This sounds crazy, but it's really what I want to do. Um, so it's like this taking this midlife, exactly, and turning it into your own personal awakening. Oh yeah. I, a question I often ask when people come on the podcast, and I think that we're sort of already in the middle of it, of the answer to it. Is, we're right in here. <laughs> we're in it. But I ask, I, I, I tell people that um, with my clients, I remind them when a woman puts herself first, everyone around her benefits. And that's because of the conditioning she's had for sure. But um, I'm just wanting to empower women to ask for what they want and be quote, selfish, which is one of the words that we've been told means something bad. So I'm just wondering if you can speak a little bit more to sort of our good girl conditioning. I know you've mentioned it a little bit and also some of the reasons why we've ended up here. Cause I think you and I have a pretty good understanding of it, but a lot of times people are like, what do you mean? This is just how I am. Yes. Yes, exactly. You know, that, um, that idea of putting yourself first, like initially there's a reason why it's so difficult. And you're, you're right about the, you know, it's conditioning from childhood, you know, that has, has led us here. And I often tell women to just, it, it's a journey of, uh, of trust and having faith, because I'll tell you that everything inside of you is going to tell you not to do that. And, and, and listen to that, know that that is old. It's, it's old, trust, you know, and initially, sometimes you have to trust someone else, like, just trust me, like, this is going to be the way out for many women of it's not the only reason I don't want to say that, but of chronic pain and anxiety and depression. Because we're living at if we're living outside of ourselves, we can't ever heal ourselves because we're not actually here in our body. Yeah. So that conditioning, um, there's a reason why it's so hard to say no and set a boundary when we have had this old, um, this old, uh, well, you know, some people call it inner child. Um, what I have come to see is, um, is there's these three phases that we move through, you know, generally the archetypes are the maiden, the young, hopeful, optimistic, um, uh, looking at the world and trying to figure it out. Um, through to the mother, and it doesn't necessarily mean having children, but through to that phase, and then into these older years of of the crone, queen. I so I say diva because it reminds me of divine feminine, okay. uh, the wise woman, the one that in ancient ancient civilizations, well, was well, I don't know if that that ancient was was actually worshipped and revered as the wise person. 
So that's kind of the overview of the journey. So where I see women get stuck in midlife and is in not having yet healed the maiden, and I'm going to use the word the damsel in distress archetype. And how I started to notice this in myself. And again, it was pretty consistent uh, with a lot of the women that I was working with was three patterns. One was the people pleasing, perfectionism, and personalizing, taking things personally. And this was that young, hopeful maiden that was still looking outside for validation, for approval, for permission to follow her heart. Um, the one that perhaps some of your listeners might resonate with some of these things, these patterns of apologizing a lot, um, being really afraid to speak your voice, to speak your truth, um, because afraid of rejection. I mean, that's, that's a very core wound. Afraid of failure, afraid of looking stupid, you know, um, getting embarrassed. Afraid to set those boundaries because people won't like me. And these patterns were so consistent um, that I kind of wrapped it up in this archetype of the damsel of dis in distress. And I really started to notice then this, there was a couple of reasons why I kind of sort of put it in that, that context was it made it easier to spot. And I could say to even myself, oh, there she is. Okay, it's all right. Yeah. We're past that now. Ah, okay. And help to move through those patterns without getting completely knocked off balance. So one example might be, um, and again, it requires faith and trust to know, to, to step out of that. Say, for example, you know, I have trouble saying no to, uh, I'll just, you know, make this up, um, you know, to a friend that I don't particularly, I feel very drained by who perhaps, you know, calls me or I feel obligated. And, and I realize that um, I'm doing it out of a sense of obligation. So what happens just, you know, in your imagination first, what happens when I say, no, you know, I'm really not, you know, um, I'm not up for talking today. I'm not up for meeting for coffee and setting that boundary. So that sounds like the obvious thing to do. Why don't we? Because what follows that is a whole, uh, usually feeling of guilt, feeling of not enoughness. I'm not a good friend. I'm not a good enough, you know, good girl, good mother, whatever it might be. And the guilt is the emotion that sits in our body that is running the show. So I had a few circumstances like that come up in myself over, over a few, a few, many, shall I say, <laughs> over time. And I started to just sit and walk in nature morning and night without fail and feel the guilt, allow it to be there and keep on walking and keep on walking keep on running all the programs, you're not, you're, you know, bad girl, whatever it might be, you're not uh, a good person, because you're not caring for that person, you know, all those programs. And eventually, you come out the other side. But, you, and what I mean by that is the guilt starts to lessen, 
and you've now started to extinguish a pattern. And this is where we never get to because we cut it off. We, yeah. we, we short circuit it like, okay, I'm just going to go home and call her because I can't stand this feeling anymore. And then we're still back there. So, so I like, both- I like what you're saying. And I like using the nature and the time. I often talk to my clients about this exact thing and I, I call it name it to tame it because of this research that shows that if you can name with your prefrontal cortex, then the emotion you're feeling your lizard brain, that's giving you all the messages of I might die and you're terrible calms down. So when you actually allow yourself to get curious about the feeling and feel it instead of just shutting it down, then that's the way out of it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Thank you. I love your science, your scientific point of view coming in. Just, yeah, that's exactly what, what, what happens. And um, when you can recognize that there were all sorts of reasons why this pattern was created. And sometimes, you know, it's in childhood where you have to, you have to kind of leave yourself behind, you know, Dr. Gabor Maté speaks about a lot about you know, attachment, uh, giving up your authenticity for attachment to your parents, to your family, to your peer group. So it's a really natural, there's nothing wrong with that. It was a survival instinct that has helped you so much. And now we have a chance to change it. We had to join, we had to fit in with our families. They were our survival. (laughs) So we had to kind of put ourselves aside. Um, yeah, so this also, uh, all those things, sitting with the emotion, a lot, journaling it, moving through it. And, and I always, you know, I tell people just allow yourself to do this just once because your mind will get all blown out of proportion that you have to do this all the time. And now I'm setting this boundary and none of those toxic people are going to enter my life ever again. And that just doesn't work. Nope. <laughs> no. So it's just taking that one example, that one day, that one, maybe 10 minutes, 10 minutes, I'm not going to react. Just give myself an hour. I'm not going to text back in that argument I'm having with someone. Give myself 24 hours, journal, walk, breathe, and move through whatever patterns are coming up. So that's kind of people pleasing, you know, um, saying no. Uh, perfectionism is, you know, but really behind almost all, you know, many addictions. And to start to notice in perfectionism, what you have become addicted to. And when I say that, I'm, yeah, definitely, you know, food and, you know, uh, drugs or alcohol, whatever it might be, but also our addictions to blaming other people, to complaining, to, um, our addictions looking for approval. And, and I don't want to put that in, in a bad life. We, we light, we've all learned this. But if I am complaining about that friend that keeps calling me, I'm probably going to be stuck there for a long time. And that's not going to help me unless I'm willing to step in and say, and, and be honest and truthful. So all those ways that we try to please and perfectionism is, you know, it's just rampant in so many ways to just really start to notice that in your own life and in your own body. 
So you you said three P's and they were perfectionism, personalization, and what was the third one? And people pleasing. People pleasing. So what have you seen in your clients and in your patients? How does it manifest for them? Is it, it just as you said, like in addictions and chronic pain and anxiety and depression, all of those things? It's always um it's it's a feeling of I should be someone else. I should be somewhere else. I should be doing something more than what I am. Like if that's kind of like the grand scheme. So for example, if somebody is really struggling with chronic pain, and I've taken many women through these journeys, um, there's often these core beliefs of, I, you know, I should be able to do more. I should be able to clean my house. <laughs> You know, it doesn't sound like a lot to ask, but sometimes it's monumental. It's a challenge. I should be able to run like I used to be able to. And so though that keeps us in a state of fight or flight, that I should be there, but I'm actually here. And so that's how I see it manifest. And even with many women who have anxiety, around um am i doing enough am i enough what am i who am i it's it's an invitation uh because the conditioning is to look outside for who am i to come back into your own body exactly where you are right now and to actually be with the anxiety to be with the tension because as much as i'm trying to fix and change and get out of here <laughs> i'm trying to like escape myself I'm creating more tension. So it brings me to a place um, in my, you know, my own journey, you know, it initially, uh, I think this might help. I set out in therapy, change your mindset, you know, change your thoughts. Um, you know, let's get in there and like fix the problem was the initial, you know, way that we worked. Which is a very masculine, structured way of doing it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Change the things. Uh, get Develop new habits. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Uh, you know, get more sleep. You know, um, yeah. Change your, change your thoughts so you can change your life. Very powerful, but limited. Because when you have internal programming, subconscious programming running the show, you can set up the best habits, the best thoughts. and and then feel like a failure because you can't keep it up. So it's that whole idea of motivation um, or willpower that um, we were very much into a few decades ago. And I moved, and it's exhausting. We've all been doing that already. We've all been trying to do those things and fix the external and our thoughts in order to feel better. I moved to a place of mindfulness and, you know, trained in, in mindfulness and um, you know, taught a lot of mindfulness, which I absolutely loved and I still use. Meditation, um, you know, starting my, my day, always getting centered and grounded. But then I had this internal invitation to go even deeper into embodiment and really coming into how I hold myself, what I'm feeling in my body, the sensations of emotion that I was noticing, 
and starting to work more on that level. And the mind kept doing what the mind does and probably, you know, quiet in town, got louder at times. <laughs> Just what it does. As it does. Yeah. We, we all have human brains. Exactly. Yeah. And they're meant to. And I just, I'll add to that. As I started to, I want women to hear this part. As I started to move more into my body initially, my mind actually got louder. Because our thoughts try to protect, protect and explain what's going on. So we're always in this place of, oh, it must be because you must feel that because he said that and then you did that 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay, right. Got it figured out. Got it in a nice little box. But I'm still feeling this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that's such yeah. a good way to think about it. And it's also an interesting thing to take note of that your brain's going to get super loud. Your mind's going to get super loud when you start to explore this embodied form of healing. Yes. Um, so speaking of that, Mm -hmm. I was, I, I mentioned to you before we started recording that the coach that I'm working with now does a ton of mindset work, but she also mixes some really cool, like feminine embodiment kind of practices and spiritual practices along with it, which is why I'm so, so attracted to it. So we were recently at a retreat in Arizona and she had a practitioner come in and did a shamanic breathwork ceremony with us. And my experience during it, I was transported to a whole other place. It was, I felt very dropped in and very connected and I can see how it's so healing and transformational for people. And so I'm very interested in hearing about the breathwork practice that you've developed for your patients, because I I just know that people need to know more about this kind of thing. And it's, it's something that people are waking up to. So please, please Madeline share with us. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, well, this is kind of, you know, where it took me to, to today. Um, during, during that time of, of shutdown, I actually got COVID. And so I went to our little cabin where it does have Wi-Fi, but I was by myself for three days. And I, I'll admit I loved it. Um, <laughs> See, amazing. Thought, That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. All but, I needed to do was get the pandemic plague in order for me to go and be alone for three days. Yeah, sad but true. It's like that speaks to what the situation was with women and is with women, is that I, I want to get sick so I can be alone. Yes, yes. And and to, to think that that is the extent that we have to go to, to be alone, is, it, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's scary, actually, mm-hmm. it, you know. And so I want to catch women earlier in this and say that you can do this while you are still healthy. And I am healthy now. I will say that. But um, so I, I was at my cabin and I, and I just kind of happened to, I mean, I'm a yoga teacher. I've written a book on breath work, on, you know, pranayama, slowing down, gentle breath work. And it's all great stuff. But I landed in this workshop online in transformational breath work. And I, which was completely a different way of breathing. It was fast. It was powerful. It, you you know shamanic breath work oh yeah um, like i i did, i can't even describe what happened in my situation like i i i it was i i'll let you carry on it was it was fantastic exactly. i liked it <laughs> yes yes exactly i went through this hour and a half breath work um uh online lying in my cabin and at the end of it i came out of it and i thought 
that is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like I felt like, and I've heard this now from women. I felt like I healed more in that session than I could have in a year of talking about it in 10 years of talking about it, because I was only talking from my, from my head up and from my 5% conscious that could kind of make sense of the world, which is the masculine area that we need. But there was a whole other world going on inside my body. Yes. Yeah. So I released so much. I, I and it so much shame and guilt and so, that old patterning. And I kept doing it. And I said, I just want to do more of this. I signed up immediately after that to train to become um, a transformational breath work, like right after that session. And I started going deeper and deeper into my own body. And it turns out. Peggy, that what came to me through that and almost everything has come to me through my own body since then. I mean, I love reading about stuff. I'll always be curious. But I really started to focus in on my lower belly, on my womb space. And I say womb space because it doesn't necessarily mean that you, you know, many women who have had, um, they've had womb trauma, they've, or they've had hysterectomies. They think, well, that's not for me. And I, I found out through a lot of women that it's not, it's the physical womb, but it's not only the physical womb. It's the whole, you know, in yoga, we say chakra energy center of our body that when I really started breathing in there with women, um, we started to let go of the emotions, the, the feelings, the patterns that had been held there for sometimes decades and opened up to this area of our body that had been cut off, you know, very, you know, we, we do focus on our head and we do focus on our heart in a, in the world. We've come down to the heart. A lot of the heart centered meditations are beautiful, but unless you're rooted even below that in your root, um, we can also be kind of giving from our heart without being grounded in ourselves. So it's a very energetic um, journey down to all the parts of our body that have perhaps had, maybe it could have sexual trauma. You could have just a feeling of my belly's too fat, shame, body shame, body shame, and really getting into deep, deep, healing. The other thing I noticed with that was that at those times in my life where I was moving from, say, maiden to mother, and now mother to crone, and there's many more archetypes in there, but I had a very big shutdown in my, my sacral chakra in my lower body. And it showed up in very, very specific ways. This was, I had never put connected the dots together. My womb connected this for me. Okay. I know that sounds crazy, but no, it does not. Just, no, I don't hear it. doesn't sound You're in good crazy. company here. Okay. <laughs> when I was a teenager, um, you know, I was inundated by perfectionism. You know, what I saw in magazines, as many of us, and developed a very nasty eating disorder when I was about 17, 18 completely shut down my body disconnected living outside of my body 
about who I should be, but not who I was. And many young girls, many women go through that. And it's this external programming that disconnects us. So moving through that, um, that was a lot of what was healed, that was being held in, in my womb space and healed all, you know, uh, hopefully maybe most of the shame that went along with that, that hiding. Um, and then, you know, moving into motherhood for, for me was a, it was a wonderful, uh, experience, very painful, but <laughs> a wonderful experience. Uh, but in between my two sons, I didn't, I didn't have miscarriages like a, a lot of women do, but we had trouble um, conceiving my second child. And during that period of time, curiously enough, I uh, developed very, very painful endometriosis. And I know in, and the medical um, system will treat these, these passages as, um, as medical conditions, and that's certainly part of it. But I know in retrospect, there was deep shame around um, conceiving, around fertility, around, um, you know, am I a good enough mother, all those types of things. So moving through that phase, we were lucky enough to conceive naturally after a failed IVF attempt. Um, and I have no shame about this now at all. Like this is such an important part of my journey. And I, I think that's also what I want women to know that these, you know, parts of our lives that feel dark and sad and painful, these, you know, these wounds that we have or these traumas, when we dive in and they're held there, we release the shame associated with it, they do become our gold. They're our life experience. And you don't have to have been a mother to know this. So we, you know, we mother our pets, we mother our houses, we mother our eventually in in crone queen years hopefully we learn to mother ourselves mm -hmm. so through this womb breath work that i was you know taken to um i just discovered so much about myself that had been pieces of the puzzle that needed to be put back in so that i could move on and 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 when i work with women now i'm hearing the same things like I just healed so much in that session. I released, I let go. My pain is better. It's not the cure-all for everything. But in my 30 years of being a trauma therapist, for me, it's the best thing I've found so far. And from your experience, it sounds like you know what oh, I'm talking about. Yeah, it was amazing. And you know, I've done a ton of mindset work. I'm, I'm a chiropractor, so I work physically with people's muscles and bones and joints when they have pain. And this was like a whole other thing. So. Whatever it was, I'm in. <laughs> it is a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's no wonder that, you know, if we go through these phases. Mindfulness was the, it's the wonderful thing. It was really the, you know, the biggest modality being used. Transformational breath work is now seems to be where people are being led deeper yeah. into their own bodies, which is when, you know, as we move to, and I'm going to use the word crone. It doesn't sit with everybody so well, but it actually crone for me is, is, is queen is pure is sovereignty in our own bodies. 
mm. where that damsel in distress might come up. You know, we see her and we know that, you know, she's okay. There's no more distress. And it's a place to, to really find that freedom from all that conditioning that we've had. And to notice, you know, when those patterns come up and, you know, move into a place that feels more like true, real authenticity. And um, to be that wise woman that we all are, it's not relegated just for a few people, that we all are speaking from our own experience. And these are the women who, well, I just want to backtrack one quick second. When we move into that area of our body, our sacral womb area, I'll call it sacral chakra, it's the area when we clear out the other stuff, you know, that needs, that's been held in our body. It's the area of creativity, intuition, wisdom, of knowing. And I see that start coming out in my, and the women that I'm working with, I see this knowing come out. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's angry. Sometimes it's like, you know, they know what matters to them and it's powerful. Yeah. And these are the women throughout the ages. There's a reason they've been shut down. There's a reason why we don't see a lot of crones around because they were so powerful. And I'm just getting goosebumps because it just, it just makes me so excited to think about women moving the work that you're doing. I never would have seen this five, 10 years ago. And the women moving into these areas with all this wonderful support we have to reconnect with that wise woman that she is and not have to prove herself, not have to get validation because she already knows who she is. And that's true power, true feminine power. Love it. Oh my goodness. I got the goosebumps too. I love everything about this. Um, I'm sure we could talk and talk and talk, but um, I will direct us to, um, you have a very informative website, mindfullivingnow.com. You have a Facebook group as well, and also a YouTube channel. And you also have a new course that's coming out in September, you told me. So can you tell us a little bit more about any or all of these things and where people can go to sign up or to come and see you and find you online if they are called to? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I have just loved this discussion and this time, time goes so quickly when we're in that, that, that divine feminine energy. Right. Just, time is not even a thing, uh, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> um, Mindful Living Now is my website. And, um, and I usually, if I, I, I try to keep up to date with the website, I have a blog and post my courses on there. Um, and my Facebook, my private Facebook group is Woman Fully Alive. Um, and I invite your listeners to, to join me there. Um, also on Facebook, Birth of the Crone is um, my Facebook page where I try to keep uh, people updated. But I'm really excited about this uh, magical container, I call it, that is opening in September. And it's called Damsel to Diva. It's a one month journey um, of moving through these patterns of the damsel in distress, moving through recognizing and uh, moving into that place of, of sovereignty of the diva, I, diva crone, your divine self. It's a short container, but when we start moving, I don't believe that this has to take a long time because women in midlife we want it. We want to get there. 
you know, we, we want this done and we don't want to take years to do it. You know, some traumas do need years, but this is for transformational breath work. So four weeks, four, um, uh, four classes together um, to release some of those patterns. Because when we bring the magic on board, magic works quickly and um, it works efficiently. And that's, that's what I call it now, because when we start digesting the emotions, it's like magic that will recreate space for the new to come in. And uh, so um, if people sign up, subscribe to my website, Mindful Living Now, I'll be uh, keeping um, people updated when that course registration opens. Okay. And I will put the links in the show notes to all of the things that Madeline has mentioned. And is there any final words of wisdom that you have um, that you want to share or one thing that people should take away from our conversation today? I think what I want women to know is that this does not have to be a, a descent into midlife. It can be a real time, as you said, of awakening, of opening to who you truly are, not in a way that tells you you have to be a certain way. You might be living in a cabin in the woods. You might be a CEO in the boardroom. You might live in a penthouse in New York, whatever. It's your individual path your piece of the puzzle. And it can be such a beautiful freeing time to move into your own authenticity and, and sovereignty in your individuality of who you are, not what you've been told. I love it. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. And that's it for this episode of the Midlife Improvement Project. Thank you so much to my guest today, Madeline Eames, for sharing her story and her midlife wisdom. Remember that there are so many different ways you can approach your journey through midlife. You can start to unlearn the conditioning that began generations ago and leave your damsel in distress behind as you wake up to and grow into a calm, centered, grounded, wise elder. If you get the feeling that I might be your coach and you're interested in learning more about me and my work and perhaps how we could work together, especially as you navigate the challenges and adventures of midlife, come and sign up for my wait list. As you are listening to this episode, my husband and John are about to head out on our five-week epic snowboarding adventure to celebrate my 50th birthday. As a result, my coaching calendar is currently closed, but it will be opening again as soon as I get back. Go sign up for the wait list right now at www.drpeggymalone.com forward slash wake up and I'll send you my five-week mini course called Wake Up to Life 2.0. I'll send you an email every Monday for five weeks with a short video and a worksheet that will help you get super clear on where you want to go next with this one precious life. Also, I'd love it if you would come and follow along on my epic birthday adventure on Instagram. You can find me there at Dr. Peggy Malone, and I'll be sharing what we are up to on my stories daily throughout the time we are away. As usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's show and don't want to ever miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it.